If they get through this gauntlet unscathed, I'd be shocked if by week 12, when they're teeing it up against Georgia Tech, if they're not sitting atop the rankings. I really believe that if you look at the gauntlet that Georgia has to play the next couple weeks, man, they make it through the next three games and they still are sitting there at 11-0, I'd be shocked. I would. I'd be shocked if they weren't sitting atop the rankings when the polls released going into rivalry week. Welcome to Always College Football. We appreciate you guys being here. Continue to ask all of you to like, rate, and subscribe. We work hard. and We know that you guys have appreciated the content up to this point. So if you could, just leave us a rating. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a review on the Apple podcast. We see those. We read those. It means a lot to us. And we can't tell you how much we appreciate all of you guys coming from all over the world to listen to us talk about college football and for you guys to submit your questions the way you have the last couple of weeks as well. It's meant an awful lot. We have a great show. We have Colin Coward coming up. Going to talk to him about where he sees the college football world. We're going to get his reaction to the initial rankings, some things he might like, some things he might not like. Being a West Coast guy, I think he's probably pretty fired up about the presence of multiple Pac-12 teams in the top 20. Also going to break down the top 13. We, on every single Wednesday edition of Always College Football, we break down the teams that we think can still get to the college football playoff. And now that list has shrunk to 13 teams, so we'll break those teams down. And why I think the committee might have made a mistake or two in contradicting itself with some of the rankings there in the top 10. Also, we'll do what I love and what I hate. And everyone's talking about Dabo Sweeney and his interaction with a caller from Spartanburg. We'll discuss that as well. So let's not waste any time. Some initial reaction rankings here on Always College Football. Initial takeaways from the immediate release of the college football playoff. Ohio State comes in at number one. This shouldn't really surprise many. It's the right team to have at number one because we should be valuing teams not on what we think they're capable of or what we think they look like about we should be valuing on what they beat and who they beat and how they beat them, and where they beat them and all those things. So I, I was totally good with Ohio State being number one. I thought that's who should likely be number one with two legitimate wins against Notre Dame, obviously, and then against Penn State. Those are two better wins than just about anyway. That's two wins against teams that are ranked in the top 15. So I have no issue at all with Ohio State being at number one. Here's where it gets interesting. Because if you value great wins, right, more so than you value the eye test, as evidenced by putting Ohio State at one, why is Florida State not at two? Because if Ohio State's resume was far and away the best, well, Florida State's is far and away the second best as of this moment. They have a win against number 14, LSU. That was a rather convincing win, too, especially in the second half of that football game. You could say, well, who else have they beaten? Well, they beat Duke, who's 5-3. and three. They beat 5-3 and three Boston College at Boston College. And I know Boston College isn't great. I get that. But they are 5-3. and three. And then Duke's also beaten Clemson, Wake Forest, Syracuse, and Virginia Tech. All are 4-4 four and four or better. They're all 4-4. Four and four. So I know none of those are, you know, jaw-dropping wins uh, against teams that are above 500, but still take it into account. That's not a bad resume. It's better than what Georgia and Michigan have at the moment. Right now, Georgia's best win are against two five and threes, a Kentucky team and a Florida team. Both were convincing and they deserve credit for that. Michigan's best wins are against two six and two teams, UNLV and Rutgers, right? But they don't have elite wins. Neither team has beaten a team currently ranked in the top 25. So, 
I think if you're going to base it off of resume, Florida State should have at worst been two. And then we can get to the conversation about where Georgia should be ranked and where Michigan should be ranked as well. I feel like the committee, with all due respect to the people in that room, and I think they're all very highly knowledgeable, good people, trying to do the best they can. I think we all, as human beings, are going to have our judgment clouded when taking into account the fact that Georgia's won 25 straight games. And that's that's the when we talked about it on the show tonight, the first thing that we popped up, Georgia, 20, winners of 25 in a row. No, they haven't won 25 in a row as it relates to this ranking. This ranking, they've won eight in a row. Eight. So we need to remove the championships one and 21 and 22 because they should have no bearing on where they're ranked right here. And Georgia should at worst be three or four, but to have them in the top two and then cite to Ohio State's strength of schedule, I think they're talking themselves into a bit of a hole. Washington sits at five. It's appropriate. They are, I think, the least impressive of the undefeated teams. But based on the letter of the law, Ohio State has two good wins, two great wins. But by their own estimation, Washington has the best win. And that was against number six, Oregon. And I know that there's recency bias here. If we're looking at the best win of the college football season, based on what the committee has given us, Washington owns that. Now, I'd have them at 5-2. I think it's appropriate, but we need to acknowledge that because it feels like we are prisoners of the moment. We are also going to be overly reactionary to what we saw just a couple days ago, which is why Oregon sits at number six, because we've clearly kind of disregarded the fact that while the win against Utah was amazing, it was convincing, it was dominant in every possible way. That was a great, great win. Well, their next best wins are against four and four football teams. That would be against Colorado. You guys tell me how you feel about Colorado. And it would be against Washington State. Both were at home. Both currently sit at 500. So I think Oregon's really good too. And if you told me, hey, I test, where should they be ranked? I'd say six. But the committee has kind of talked themselves into a bit of a circle, I think, because if you're going to get down that rabbit hole, then you get to the next grouping of seven, eight, nine, Texas at seven, Alabama at eight, Oklahoma at nine. I think Texas is better than Oklahoma too, but they didn't win the game. And you can say, well, Oklahoma lost to an unranked team. Fair, and that's been the pushback on why I think a lot of people agree with how the committee had them. I don't agree, personally, because if we're valuing the best win of the season, well, that's Washington's. Well, the second best win of the season, based on the committee's rankings, Oklahoma has that. They should be at seven. Texas should be at eight. Alabama should be at nine. Now, we're are we splitting hairs? Yes, 100%. But Texas lost to Oklahoma. Oklahoma, therefore, on a comparable resume, should be ahead of the Texas Longhorns. Just personal opinion, but obviously, recency bias is a real thing. And it's not like that's Oklahoma's only win, by the way, too. It's not like Oklahoma hasn't done anything else. Like Oregon, their only win is against Utah. Well, Oklahoma, they have a good win against SMU. They also have a good win against 5-3 and three Iowa State. 
So I think Oklahoma is painfully underrated right now based on what we have through the first eight data points of the season. Ole Miss is at 10. I thought they'd be ranked a little lower, but I'm glad they're ranked where they're ranked because they actually have a really good resume. They beat a top 14 team in LSU, and they beat a team that's ranked in the top 25 in Tulane. They deserve to be sitting at number 10. At number 11, Missouri or Penn State. Penn State, I think, probably a little overrated as of right now. Personal opinion. I think people are going to look at and marvel at their performances uh, against Iowa, who I think is as average as the day is long, and a 5-3 and three West Virginia team. Good with all of that. They obviously lost convincingly to Ohio State, and they have plenty of meat left on the bone against Maryland, Michigan, Rutgers, and Michigan State. There's plenty down the road for Penn State. So they take care of business, go undefeated the rest of the way, somehow find their way into the Big Ten Championship, which is not totally out of the realm of possibility. I think they're still very much in control of their own destiny. I would just have them a little lower at the moment. Missouri sits at 12. Missouri, I think, is appropriately ranked. Now, some people might push back on that. They're number 14 in the AP poll, so it's not the end of the day, end of the world, but they have three really good wins, three solid wins. And Kansas State is ranked in the top 25. They were number 23. That was a good win for Missouri. They also have a win against 6-2 and two Memphis. Good win there. Then they took care of 5-3 and three Kentucky at Kentucky. So solid win nonetheless. So Missouri appropriately ranked. Then finally, you look at Louisville, and I'm going to stop there because that's really the end of the teams that I think can make the college football playoff still. You're going to say, how can Louisville do it? Well, Louisville's got a good win against 5-3 and three Duke, and they also took care of business against number 15 Notre Dame and did so in convincing fashion. Now, down the road, road trip to Miami. Even Miami keeps it going right now. Miami's in a pretty good spot. Maybe they find their way into the top 25 at some point. They get that win on the road. They also need Kentucky. That's weird. It's backwards. Louisville needs Kentucky to win. They should be Wildcat fans down the stretch because a win against Kentucky in the final Saturday of the regular season would really enhance their resume, and then they get a chance to potentially play against undefeated Florida State in the ACC title. So I'm going to stop there. I think that's the end of the list for teams that can potentially control their own destiny and get to the college football playoff. So happy to be joined by our good friend, Colin Cowherd of the volume network. He loves his college football. And I would imagine he's got a couple bones to pick with the committee tonight. Colin, <laughs> your first reaction to what you witnessed tonight. Well, I don't think Ohio state's the best team, but here's why I would support them being number one. Because I do believe sometimes you have to create the inertia or the momentum to get coaches and ADs to schedule big games, right? <laughs> and so they were willing to go to Notre Dame. That's not an easy game. And they played Penn State. Now, I didn't think they looked overwhelming in each. I thought they should have lost the Notre Dame game, but they didn't. And they scheduled it. Right. And I've, I've said this for years. Um, I can I can have a bone to pick with this coach and that coach, but when I saw Georgia play Notre Dame home and away, total respect. Tennessee for years has taken some of those big games. Nick Saban's been willing to take a few, although I wish they weren't always on a neutral field or in Dallas, which is not a neutral <laughs> field for Bama. But nonetheless, <laughs> I think at this point in my life, if you're willing to go out and play a big boy college football game, even if you're ugly, you win, you win. And in college football to win on the road, Notre Dame's a quality team. So I don't think, I think Georgia would beat Ohio State. I think Michigan would. I think Washington and Oregon would. Florida State, I'm hit and miss on. They haven't played anybody. I think Texas would. I don't think Ohio State's a very good team. But they're undefeated. 
two nice wins, albeit ugly. I'm for it. Well, they're they're one of several teams that have, and we'll get through the top six in a moment, but LSU, to an extent, rewarded the highest-ranked two-loss team. They were willing to play Florida State on a neutral site in Orlando. Utah playing Florida in a home-and-home. They won the game. They're rewarded. They sit there in the top 18. So I do think there is value to play, even Tulane. Tulane, a good example, if we're going to get to the G5, they played Ole Miss. Yeah, they have a loss, but guess what? They're ahead of Air Force, who's played nobody. So I agree with you, and I think that's a good indicator of where we might be heading down the road, where seeding really might matter because it'll determine who will get a home playoff game in the first round. Yeah, I think – so I've seen Oregon play twice in person. I think Oregon at six is probably the most underrated team on this list. I think Alabama's Mm. kind of figured out what they are at eight. They're better than eight. I think Texas – will trounce Oklahoma if they play again. I think Oregon could trounce Washington if they play again. And then I think I think Georgia, Michigan, and Texas are the most physically impressive teams. I don't think this is one of the more impressive Alabama teams. I just think it took them a while to figure out what they were. I think they have figured out what they are. And so now I think Bama at eight is now undervalued. Texas at sure. seven is undervalued. Oregon at six is undervalued. Washington is the most fun team to watch because, I mean, they have, Three NFL receivers. Now they're getting two guys healthy who will probably also play on Sundays. So that's how they beat Oregon. Oregon just couldn't stop their receivers, and they have NFL offensive linemen. So I think it's all going to play out. I One of the things I like about pro football is you're allowed to lose early. You're allowed mm-hmm. to improve. That's why the 12-team playoff, which was I was against years ago, I used to always argue, tell me a team at eight who should play for the title. You know what? Look at the World Series. Look who's in it. Look at the NFL playoffs. One seeds lose all the time. Cincinnati went road, 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 ends up almost winning the Super Bowl. So I like the idea of, you know, you got the transfer portal now, Greg. You stink in September. Alabama, I watched them a couple games. I thought that they're awful offensively. Well, now (laughs) they're not. So I I like, I like, I, I like a sport that you are allowed to grow. And I think I think if Bama keeps winning and, and Oregon keeps winning, they're going to end up potentially in the playoff. Yeah, I think it's in all like let's start let's start with Oregon because I think that they're a really interesting discussion today because of there's so much recency bias, right? Well, right. all of us respect Utah. If you don't respect right. Utah, you haven't watched college football for the last 15, 20 years. I mean, they're real. Right. And, and Whittingham and, and Urban Meyer before him, they did an amazing job in building up a consistent winner. But I think all of us are being prisoners of the moment when assessing what Oregon's capable of. Uh, And I also think, too, Colin, and we need to be really careful of this because we do it every year. And it drives me insane. We we give teams credit for close losses. Oregon is getting credit for losing close to Washington. And and I understand that. I get it. It was they and I think that game, there's a thousand times they play it. I think Oregon probably wins 750. They probably pick up one of those fourth down conversions. They probably don't let a drive that goes 52 yards in 26 seconds. They probably don't, they probably hit a field goal to tie it and send it to overtime. So, uh, yeah, I think you could make a case that they are the better team, but I don't want to prop up Oregon as a result yeah. of a close loss. Their second best win is against a four and four Colorado. And yeah, that to well, me is just not good enough. Yeah. I mean, so I was at the Oregon Washington game and my takeaway was, um, 
Oregon was the better team. I don't know how many teams would have won in Seattle that day. It it right. was yeah. it's a really loud, raucous place. So I don't think um, Oregon's getting too propped up. Washington at five is ahead of them. But I do think Washington has struggled with Arizona schools. And I can't, and it's the way Washington's winning. They're, they can't stop anybody. So when I watched Oregon beat Utah, some of it was Utah had just beaten the SC Trojans. And they, right, that's a big right. win out West. So they were in flat. In fact, I thought Oregon minus six was the bet of the day in college football. <laughs> and I had said that. Why don't you do tell think- me that beforehand? I would have liked to have had that information before. It was my, my DraftKing Twitter bet of the week. So, um, but I think what Oregon is this year, um, they don't make mistakes. They had their first fumble. There's not yeah. a lot of penalties. Um, Bo Nix throws to the Bo Nix is the most improved quarterback I think I've seen in a decade. I didn't even like him at Auburn. Some of that was bad coaching. Lanning's been a home run coach. They recruit. They're the best recruiters, Denver West. It's not USC. It's Oregon. Yeah, they got another right. five-star edge rusher two days ago. So when I watched Oregon, I sat in the third row for this game. I was end zone and 40-yard line in Seattle. They're, they look they look like, a, like an SEC team. They're big up front. They're NFL guys, NFL quarterback, very twitchy, quick on the perimeter. So I, I think Oregon one spot below Washington is fair. But I think if they played again, and I think Washington knows this, they'd be in trouble. They would really be in trouble in a neutral field. I think Oregon would win convincingly. So I think um, I, I don't have a problem where Oregon is. The only team I struggle with in all of this is Florida State at four. And I just, they haven't played anybody. So I have no context for how good they are. They've got some really good NFL players. They got a couple of first round guys. But I mean, Michigan at three hasn't played anybody, but they're just annihilating everybody. Yeah. Um, so um, I, I mean, Ohio State one, Georgia two, Michigan three. I think I don't care what order you put them in. It's not going to matter. Um, I, I said today, I believe the four best teams I've seen are Georgia, Michigan, Texas and Oregon in terms of size, talent. Now. Texas is now on a backup quarterback and they play sure. Kansas state this weekend. They could be derailed. I think if they get Quinn Ewers back, they're a really good team. I think they'll punish Oklahoma the second time, but we got a long way to go and nothing bothered me about any of these rankings. Yeah. And let's, let's for a moment, discuss Florida state. And I have their resume here looking at it. I, I think the win against LSU has gotten stronger over time. Will it continue to hold up? I, I would assume so. I think LSU is real nine and three team probably, uh, maybe they drop another one. It wouldn't totally surprise me. Maybe they beat Alabama and represent the West in the SEC. Uh, I think that's possible. You have a good win against Duke that's weakening, yeah. and you have an okay win against Boston College that you played to their level on. So yeah. I, I kind of agree with you. My thing about Florida State is that when they're on, and I and I'm and believe me, it's hit or it might be it might be series to series. Yeah, you know I mean? it's right. Like, but when they're on, they're I'm not going to call them Washington because that's the scariest team when they're clicking to see on the other sideline, but yeah. they're dang close. And yes. they got some guys that can close the game with their pass rush and they have some high end capable weapons down the field. And I think their quarterback's mature and has played a lot of football. So I love Florida State. I still think they need to go undefeated to get to the college football playoff, which is really yeah. sad because I really like the ACC this year too, Colin. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. 
Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hey, college football fans. Whether you're on the field or in the stands, make sure you're well-protected like having a solid defense to shut down that wide receiver in the final quarter, opening lanes for your running backs to do their thing, and of course, reliability when protecting your quarterback, because great coverage is a game changer. That's why Allstate provides that same protection off the field, giving you reliable coverage and game-winning protection for everything that matters, helping you stay game day ready every day. So get protected with Allstate. Visit Allstate.com or call a local agent today to learn more. Brought to you by Allstate. You're in good hands. Insurance coverage is subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. One of the things college football and baseball have older fan bases and they tend to push back on change. NIL yeah. is going to ruin the sport. <laughs> the transfer portal is going to ruin the sport. It's just the sport's never been a more unhealthy right now. And yet we <laughs> have unbelievable ratings, but I digress. Go ahead. I yeah. agree with you. <laughs> and I think it's going to explode next year. And I tell really? my PAC 10 fans and brethren guys, Washington state at UCLA that was getting nobody outside of Pullman and barely anybody in LA to a TV set. We are going to get so many quality games. I mean, Michigan against Washington, Oregon, Penn State, USC against Wisconsin, Nebraska, Michigan. I think the sport is next year is the start of almost, Greg, a new sport. Baseball made tweaks to the pitch clock and the defensive shift, but they didn't really fundamentally change the game. They chopped some time off it. Fundamentally next year, I think you're going to see going forward team schedule, bigger out-of-conference games, not afraid to lose. You're going to see more. I've always thought college football has one issue, not enough great games. Yeah. In Every Sunday in that early window, there's three down-to-the-wire finishes, minimum. It's crazy. In college <laughs> football, you may get two games a weekend between really competent teams that are great because everybody's afraid to schedule anybody. I think next year is the beginning of almost a different version of college football. I think the Pac-12 folding into the Big Ten, the top teams, is fantastic for the sport, although initially we blanch, we push back, because college football fans love history, and so do I, and the regionalization of the sport. But I think we're in a great spot, and I look at this top 10. Can you imagine if these teams were playing each other, and I could get Bama and Florida (laughs) State and Michigan and Texas? I mean, God, Greg, this is fantastic. Well, I, I tweeted uh, actually just a moment ago before we got uh, linked up and it's been posted for 13 minutes um, and it has thousands of views already. And all it is is the picture of the 12 team playoff for next year. And you have Tulane at Michigan, you have Oklahoma at Alabama, Penn State at Oregon, and the Ole Miss at Texas. And then in the next round, Washington has a bye. Ohio State hosts the winner of Bama, Bama, Oklahoma. Florida State hosts the winner of Penn State, Oregon. Georgia hosts the winner of Texas Ole Miss. 
First yes. two teams left out are Missouri and Louisville, and you can already hear the griping about, well, we're not big brands, we're getting penalized. I can already right. hear that, and the and the format's not even finalized. But you have five Big Ten teams, five SEC teams, an ACC school in Florida State, and Tulane. It's it's going to be absurd. And, and I want to embrace the current format because that's where our feet are. But I can't disagree with you at all when thinking about what's coming and some of the matchups that will be created in the postseason. Let me ask you about Nick Saban. Kirby Smart, Kirby Smart now feels like the coach of record. Lane, Lane Kiffin, not surprisingly, has made Ole Miss really fun to watch. I think people think the kid at Tennessee is really talented. Um, I, I think there's a clear unseating of Bama as the number one program. As a defensive coach, he hit on several offensive coordinators. He's got to miss on one of them eventually because he hit on – it was McElwain or Nussmeyer and Kiffin and Sark and Bill O'Brien. He's hit on most of these guys. Does it feel like to you for the first time that Nick is now? You can see the age there is a bit of disconnect with offense, or do you think it's a hiccup? I think it's more about, I'll, I'll answer your question by asking you a question. What's the difference between Penn State and Ohio State right now? Because I, I think it's one Penn, player. Penn State's got a better young quarterback. Well, <laughs> I don't disagree with that necessarily. But as far as being asked to win the game, both quarterbacks have a comparable load share. Ohio State has Marvin Harrison and Penn State doesn't. And I think right now what Bama's going through is a six-year run of having incomparable, incomparable talent at wide receiver. And we think about think about the NFL. What was Tua Tungavaloa and the Miami Dolphins before Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell? Struggling. What was average? Right. I mean, average is the day is long. What were the Cincinnati Bengals? And I know Joe Burrow tore his knee six games into the season, seven games into the season. But what were they before Jamar Chase? Um, there's frankly, if we watch the Chiefs right now. Yeah, I I don't see the game breaking wide receiver and, and Mahomes. Well, he doesn't look human. He doesn't look like a superhero at times like he has in the past. So I yeah. think the world's changed beneath our feet in the NFL and in college that if you don't have a take-over-the-game wide receiver, you become very human very quickly. And right now, I think that's what Bama has struggled with. Now, Jermaine Burton has been good at times. The AM game stands out. Uh, Jalen Milrow is a good deep ball thrower, but he struggles on the intermediate and the underneath. And when you are all boom and bust, it's hard to put together methodical and rhythmic offense. So I don't think it's necessarily Tommy Reese's fault. I just think the personnel that Alabama is relying on right now is different than that, than what they've experienced the last handful of years. Everyone at Clemson has blamed DJ Uyunglele and Cade Klubnik. But if you look outside with all due respect to Bo Collins and Brandon Spector, they're yeah. not Mike Williams. They're not, you know, new Hopkins. They're not the guys that they've had in the past. So I think it's just the personnel is coming back to earth just a hair this year, but in a portal era, you can improve that overnight with the addition of a guy or two in the off season. Yeah, listen, I'm out in California, and Chip Kelly has a better team than Lincoln Riley, and uh, <laughs> you think the sky is falling, and I keep telling everybody, listen, these offensive coaches, Kyle Shanahan deeply cares about defense, but some of them just don't care about defense. Kyle Shanahan does. McVay does. <laughs> but I, but Lincoln Riley, I don't know if he does, and and I don't think Lane Kiffin early in his career does. Now I think he does. So it's, um, you know, college football. I, I like all the big brands I'm getting. Um, 
I think we're in a good space. I also like geographic symmetry. I think what hurt college football for about 15 years after USC and Pete Carroll is Oregon was the only consistent brand that was fun, flashy, and a top 10 program. And now that Washington, absolutely, Kalen DeBoers, they have their next Don James and Chris Peterson. He's really special. They've won 15 straight games, and they don't have elite talent. They have elite receivers and an elite quarterback. But, Greg, they don't have Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan talent. They're not even close. So I think this sport has – we always need a big Texas school. We need some West Coast love. It doesn't have to be USC. I think Michigan's a bigger national brand than Ohio State because Harbaugh is so uh, such so polarizing. You know his NFL, <laughs> his you know I mean, and this is just added to it with the recruitings or with the um, the scandal on the advanced right. scouting. So yeah, I mean the whole thing as I watched today, I would just it put a smile on my face. I. I really like the top teams. I mean, God, I get a Big Ten team, an SEC team, an ACC team, two Pac-12 teams, a Texas school. You know, it's like then Bama, Oklahoma, and Lane Kiffin. I think the sport's in good shape. I think it'll work itself out. And I'll go back to Oregon, Texas, Georgia, Michigan are the best four teams. If I said to you, who do you believe will end up in the playoff? Four teams. Uh, I think it'll be Michigan, Georgia, Florida State, and Oregon. Those are the four I'm going with right now. I don't I don't love the Pac-12 as I love the depth. I love yes. the depth. And I look at what Washington's done the last couple of weeks. And while some people have looked at them and said, well, you know, I mean, how do you win against Arizona State on a pick six? I mean, how can you only manufacture, manufacture a, a, you know, a handful of points offensively? And while I agree with that, it was a it was a pitiful performance offensively. It was. Uh, and they backed it up with the game against Stanford in which they let their quarterback Ugh. go for 450. You know, that I mean, was uh, awful. 80 on the ground, eight, 370 through the air or whatever the heck it was, 350 through the air. So, it, it, yeah, it's a hard one to wrap your head around. So I think if they if they played it out over again I, in a neutral site, I lean Oregon. I think they're trending in the right direction. Yes. I reserve the right to adjust because – I think it's still inside Washington and they're learning how to win at a high level and where the target. And I remember yeah. when I was at Alabama, the the challenge that we experienced going from a team that was perennially average to all of a sudden being the grand poobah in college football. And people are now talking about you in the Heisman and t- people are now talking about your team in the national championship. That was a heavy burden to take on yeah. for the first time. And it all came crumbling down Nick Saban's second year. There after the lost Florida and the SEC championship game, but it all came back around the next year when we actually believed that we could do it. That was a difficult mental hurdle for us to overcome. And I think Washington's dealing with that right now. Yeah. And if they can get through this weekend, the, because this to me is the last, granted, Utah, I think Utah's human. Yeah. The, yeah. I think they'll wear them out. They're on um, third, their third quarterback. I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, it, it, they're going to, I mean, Bryson Barnes, with all due respect, he's going to come back to becoming a pumpkin at some point, you know, yeah. from being the Cinderella that he was. And that's not a disrespectful thing. He's just going to have some ups and downs. But I think if Washington can get through this one, they're going to be in great shape. Yeah. Uh, and this one against SC this weekend to me is extremely difficult because everyone's saying SC is dead. Everyone's saying SC can't play. Their defense can't defend. I think SC still has a lot of talent. 
And when you're on the road and you're backed into a corner and everyone's ripping you to shreds and you're only a three point dog, something's telling me something. Um, so I think this is the one that they need to be very careful with. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a shootout because Washington doesn't put consistent pressure on the quarterback. Um, it's in spurts. Uh, and USC does not have elite corners, and those are Sunday receivers for Washington. So I feel it feels 44-34 to be Huskies. But, you know, listen, it's almost like USC's last stand. Yeah, like, right. I mean, really, you get to a point now where this feels like the season because they're not beating UCLA. They're not. And UCLA right now is a much better team defensively. And frankly, there's a a, a spirit about UCLA that people out West, it's like nobody wants to play them They're, because there's no expectations. They're, they're brutal to play against, man. That Multiple. D-line is ridiculous. <laughs> oh, they got two oh big time player, one lottery defensive end. Oh, Liatu, Liatu, 15, for those that haven't watched him, that dude is like a tarantula. Like he could stand at the linebacker level and sack your quarterback. That's how long he is. He's unbelievable. <laughs> He's he unbelievable. Greg, good stuff. Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, Florida State in the first poll. Don't have a huge problem with it. I'm just happy we got some West Coast representative and some <laughs> geographic symmetry. It makes me feel good. It's been a long time. Can I ask you one more before we get sure. out of here? Because I know you yeah. really are in the business of helping the sport grow. But do you think having four different conference champions in the college football playoff this year would actually help the sport grow heading into next season? No, I think next year is the beginning of a new era. Um, I think the convergence of the top four teams in the Pac-12, the top four brands, USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington, moving into the Michigan, Ohio State, Iowa, Penn State, Wisconsin conference, I think it's so great for the sport. Uh, and I think what you're going to see in the 12-team playoff, you'll have three teams from each, the Big Ten and the SEC. Uh, then you'll get you know a, a Big 12 champ and a – you know, you're going to also have a, a like a Mountain West champ. They're, they're going to have a couple teams at the bottom. Um, but it's I think it's uh, the arguments will be fantastic uh, and they <laughs> won't just be for the last team in. What you're going to find is the you know, the committee is going to be a little apprehensive to put a fourth team in. And because there's so many teams in these superpower conferences now, Greg, the SEC and the Big Ten, you can't play everybody. So what happens next year if if USC has two losses and they're both by a point on the road and the, and you've already got like Ohio State, Michigan, Wisconsin. So the arguments are not just going to be the little guy arguing the Louisville and Missouri. No, it's going to be Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin because Georgia, Bama and Tennessee are in or LSU, Bama and Georgia's in. And Lane's like, I lost two games, both in overtime. <laughs> So it's going to be the arguments are going to be the big dogs in these power conferences that you throw Texas, Oklahoma in the SEC. You think Nick Saban's in love with that? Come on. Who wants to have to play Texas? I mean, Texas looked bigger than Alabama this year. Who wants to play Texas after you just played LSU or Georgia? And I mean, everybody in the Big Ten is like, yeah, this is great. Really? So I'm Ohio <laughs> State and I go, I have to go out west to face USC at night. And then I have to go pay, face Penn state back home in Penn state. And then I go, you know, then I come back to Columbus and here comes Oregon, you know, with five-star <laughs> guys. So I think what you're going to have is, is the big 10 and the sec that already kind of control the sport revenue wise. It'll just be bigger, more tribal 
arguments uh, and and the arguments are not going to be about Missouri and Louisville. That's not yeah. it's going to be Lane Kiffin and Chip Kelly and Kalen DeBoer screaming that a second loss in overtime keeps them out. I can't wait for it. It's going to be absolutely absurd for sure, my friend. It's going to be awesome. Who, all right. So we had you in the beginning. You loved LSU and Michigan. Are you sticking with that point? No, Michigan's love... Michigan's a hammer and LSU is closer. Are they going to make the playoff? I don't think so, but no, no. I are, you, are you adjusting here in November? Yeah, I just think um, Ohio State's not as good as I thought. Georgia's not quite as good as I thought. Um, Washington's better than I thought. Oregon's better than I thought. Texas is sort of what I thought. Um, yeah, I, I think it's I, Florida State. I wasn't paying a ton of of attention do norville's done a good job i i think i mean let's be honest this is the best the pac 12's been in 12 15 years yeah so i right. i'm i'm from this neck of the woods this is the best oregon team they've ever had it's better <laughs> than the mariotti teams it's not as fun when chip was going 100 miles an hour in a play every 13 seconds this oregon team no penalties no mistakes bigger yeah. than that team better defensively better pass rush uh it's just fun for me as a west coast guy it's like we've been i mean we've been like MIA missing in action. We, we haven't even <laughs> been part of the discussion for 15 years. So for me, and I'm realistic about it, I think Washington's fun to watch, but I don't think they stack up with Michigan or Georgia. But I think Oregon does. I really think they do. Well, you get Manhattan Beach. Well, that you have you have a lot going for you. Uh, we we have <laughs> snow and hot weather, and you have perfection paradise. So it's, don't it's steal bad. college football from us, too, buddy. Uh, <laughs> well, we appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for taking the time tonight. Oh, Greg, loved it. Thank you so much. Mmm. You smell that? That's the scent of fresh turf and freshly cracked Dr. Pepper, which can only mean one thing. It's college football season. So block off your Saturdays and swipe a sweet Dr. Pepper from the mini fridge because there's a new season of high kicks, long throws, and Fansville commercial breaks to carry you all the way to the West Coast games. That's right. The fans are back. And this year, things are heating up. We're talking about hot takes, more heartbreak, more layers of face paint. Get ready to drink in all the drama this season with the help of the most delicious college football tradition there is, Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Every college football season, Goodyear knows the importance of winning on the road. The road will always demand confidence, the confidence to handle whatever the journey brings and to perform under tough conditions. And just like the players and fans of college football, Goodyear is ready. Are you ready for the road? Visit Goodyear.com to find the right Goodyear tires for whatever road you're on this season. Goodyear, more driven. We do it every single Wednesday. What I love, what I hate. All right, what I love, and I'm going to resist resist going down the rabbit hole right now because we live in a four-team play, playoff era, Okay. But I want you to go to my Twitter. I want you to go to Always CFB on Twitter as well. I tweeted out a picture of the 12-team format for next year and some of the matchups that might take place in that 12-team format, and it's absolutely bonkers. I love that that's coming. I also have hated the idea of expansion. I'll freely admit that. I've been a four-team guy from the beginning, so I... Also hate that I love expansion. So I'm very, very much in the middle here. What I love, what I hate. I love that the 12-team playoff format's coming, and I hate that I like it. 
Yeah, I know I'm messed up in the head, but it's week 10. Give me a break. All right, <laughs> give me a break. I also love Saturdays coming up like this one this week. You got LSU and Alabama in the night slate. You got uh, Kansas State and Texas. This is a massive game, obviously, in the Big 12. You got Ole Miss in the tussle with what might be a back Texas A&M football team. Notre Dame's on the road at Clemson in a bring-your-own-guts type of situation. Notre Dame wins. They get to the New Year's Six more than likely. Missouri is heading to Athens as two teams that are currently ranked in the top 12. Should be an amazing matchup. Florida State's on the road at Pitt. Kind of a giant killer in the past, Pitt's been. I don't think they're quite ready to do that just this year. You got Bedlam between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. You got Penn State and Maryland, two teams that really hate each other, dating back a couple years. I don't know why they hate each other as much as they do, but that's a game that there's some serious animosity. You get to finish things up in the nightcap, some amazing matchups as well, like Washington on the road at SC. And then you got uh, other interesting games like Arizona is playing incredible. They host UCLA. We have an incredible, incredible action-packed slate from noon Eastern until 1030 Eastern time when those games will kick in the late night like UCLA, Arizona, and Oregon State and Colorado. So we have incredible games coming up this weekend. I love this slate that we have coming up. Uh, here's what I hate. I hate when, you know, I'm just going to let you listen to it. Here's Dabo Sweeney defending his own program to Tyler from Spartanburg. People like you who just love to, to destroy people with your comments, all right, I'm sure you've never made any bad decisions. I'm sure you've lived a perfect life. I'm sure you've never, I'm sure you've led a bunch of people. I'm sure you do your job in front. So to answer your question, I started as the lowest paid coach in this freaking business, all right? And I'm where I am because I've worked my ass off every single day. And I ain't going to let some smart-ass kid get on this phone and create this stuff. So if you got a problem with that, I don't care. All right? It, I work for, for the Board of Trustees, the President, and the AD. And if they're tired of me leading this program, all they got to do is let me know. I'll go somewhere else where there is an appreciation. All right? It's not just winning. It's how you win. And we are in a – this is a tough year. But we've had 12, 12, 10-plus win seasons in a row. Okay. So – we didn't listen to the entire interaction between Tyler and Coach Sweeney, and we don't, we don't necessarily need to. There are plenty of platforms for you to listen to all five minutes of both Tyler's question, which was uh, just shot after shot after shot after shot being taken towards Dabo Sweeney. And you know me, I am not an apologist for, for coaches that, that get irritated. This is part of the job responsibility you have to stand in front of the podium and handle yourself in a professional manner, and you can't stoop to the level of those that are asking the question. You just can't do it. You are too important, and you have to be professional. And I didn't think Dabo Sweeney did a great job of, of handling that with, with the way he kind of got very, very irritated and outspoken about Tyler and, and the question that was asked. But I will also say this. I, I think it's really, really important that when we think about where we're at in college football and what Dabo Sweeney's accomplished. And believe me, there's, there's a lot of programs that would do anything to have experienced the success that Clemson's experienced in the last decade. They have been incredible, absolutely incredible. So there's a lot to be proud of with what's been built. But I also think that it's time for Dabo Sweeney and the entire Clemson program to maybe recognize that we need to tweak a few things. 
And it's okay for fans to acknowledge that maybe things need to be tweaked a bit. We've long talked about should Dabo Sweeney embrace transfer portal. And I'm not saying live in the portal like some of the programs that he's going up against. Florida State has made a living going into the portal and reinforcing not just the high-end quality of their roster, but the depth on the roster as well. But I don't think he needs to go that far. But maybe pick and choose five to six to seven pieces to properly fortify the top-end talent. He's got a good young freshman crop, a really good young freshman crop. There's no denying that. But those freshmen are only going to be sophomores next year. And if Florida State replaces the guys that are departing with juniors and seniors, they're just going to be more physically developed than what Dabo will have with true sophomores and potentially even some true freshmen, redshirt freshmen like that. So I think it's okay to acknowledge the possibility of change without getting too irritated and too stubborn to acknowledge that the way things are going are currently not It's not the way it needs to go moving forward. Now, I say all that. I'm going to Clemson this weekend. This is still a dangerous team. This is still a team that can win against Notre Dame this weekend. And if they can somehow surprise the college football world by knocking off the Irish, I'm not sure it would surprise anybody because of how well they've played at times in big games over the last 10 years. That'll do it for us here at Always College Football from Bristol, Connecticut. I'm here tucked in a podcast studio right next to Studio E. We appreciate you guys being here with me, man. It's been fun doing the playoff show a little earlier. It was a blast. Would love to be at home trick-or-treating with my sons. Miss you guys. Love you guys. But no, I'll be back tomorrow, and we'll put some candy out in the neighborhood, and we'll go have some fun, just us three, all right? So for all of us here at Always College Football, for Mark, Jake, Jack, the other Jack, and for Jake's horror movie that somehow made air uh, during our breakdown a moment ago, for all of us here at Always College Football, Thanks for being with us. We hope you have an amazing, amazing rest of the week, and we look forward to breaking things down on Thursday edition of the show. So remember, have a great and safe holiday week, and remember, it's always college football. Hey, guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts.